When Rebecca was certain that Andrew's body had been interred, she made the dreaded call to her son. Honey, where are you now? I'm in my room, studying, alone. I'm always studying. If I'm not in class, or studying at the library, or in the lab, then I'm in my room. What do you want, mother? Dennis sounded perturbed about being interrupted. Dennis, sit down. Rebecca softened her tone. Dennis hoped this was not the phone call he was fearing. Since his father had prepared him six months before, informing him of the return of his cancer, Dennis lived in grim anticipation of the very call his mother was making this day. Still, he hoped it was something else. Is it dead? I'm afraid it is. Rebecca said the words quickly, as if she was pulling off a band-aid from a tender wound. Your father passed away. Rebecca said the words softly, but Dennis heard thunder. He was certainly familiar with death, but only as a student examining cadavers to learn about the organs and the devastating effects of disease. The idea of his father not being in his life was wrenching. He composed himself enough to speak. I will arrange to come home. When will the funeral be? I've been trying to call your father. When he didn't answer, I called local funeral parlors. I couldn't call his wife. What would she think hearing from his son's mother? All the pussyfooting around this woman is ridiculous, and it makes no sense. How can any decent human being keep a son from attending his father's funeral? If she didn't want to see me at home, okay, I can deal with that. But not informing me about the death of my father, that's unconscionable. Rebecca felt her son's ire. She feared that Dennis would give Alice a piece of his mind. Rebecca spent the next ten minutes trying to settle her son down. She prevailed upon him not to approach Andrew's wife. Dennis, seeing this woman will not change anything. It won't bring your father back. Remember that you promised your father to stay away from her. She's unreasonable, I know, but your father has already been buried, and coming home now is pointless. Come home for spring break. I found out where Andrew has been laid to rest. We will go visit him together. Somehow, Rebecca managed to convince Dennis she was right. He had to mourn in detached solitude. He grudgingly waited the six weeks before returning to Long Island. Spring recess started on March 4th and Dennis finally got to say a belated forlorn goodbye to the father he revered. And then there was Alice and Linda Rose. Andrew's real family. Alice was a widow and had to adapt to a life without Andrew. Being without her husband after 45 years would be a melancholy adjustment. Linda Rose was constantly by her side those first few months. She wanted her mother to move in with her family. Alice knew that would never work. Linda Rose and Larry still had Emily and Lucas to care for. Alice was in her late 60s at this time, in good health, and had all her faculties. There was no reason for her to leave the home she loved. She had frequent access to all her friends, the church, the sorority of retired teachers, her book club, and her fitness classes. Leaving all that to start a new life would be worse than living alone. Plainage was not the other side of the world, but leaving Farmingdale made no sense to her. Life settled into a new normal. Linda Rose called her mother daily and visited often. That was enough for Alice. During the second decade of the new millennium, the years passed just as quickly. Two years after her grandfather's death, Emily graduated high school. 
She followed in her mother's footsteps attending Cornell as an undergraduate. Lucas was still living at home with his parents for most of that decade. For Lucas, college was years off. With his sister away, he was the center of attention. Linda Rose, even though absorbed in a very time-consuming demanding career, clung to her mother as a life raft. Losing her father was a crushing blow. Now it became Linda Rose's fervent intention to care for mother. It was a loving obligation owed for a lifetime of nurturing devotion. Dennis graduated medical school from the University of Pittsburgh in 2013. He believed in his heart that somehow his father knew that. It had been 16 months since Andrew passed away. Dennis agonized over the belief that he could have convinced his father to fight harder and not give in to despair. Then his father could have seen him become a doctor. Dennis also knew that end-of-life decisions cannot be denied to a person who is suffering. At least his mother and Uncle Robert attended graduation. It was a glorious day after four long years of medical school. But Dennis's journey was far from over. Dennis served his internship the next year. He was extremely fortunate to be selected as one of the handful of new interns at Johns Hopkins. It was not only good luck but hard work, talent, and the recommendations of six professors that helped Dennis make the cut. He wanted this location for two main reasons. One, the obvious, it was ranked the best in the nation. But almost as important to Dennis was the fact that he could reach Hicksville in about four hours if necessary. The five years following his internship that Dennis spent in the surgical residency program were grueling, consisting of long days and long stints of continuously being on duty. But he did have some downtime to revivify. He was a promising doctor. In addition, he was a very good-looking man. As a result, he had more women interested in him than a shy boy from Hicksville would ever have imagined. He was receiving an education both inside and outside the walls of the hospital. It was Dennis's laser-like focus, inflaming him to become the best possible resident surgeon, that kept him grounded. He never became serious enough about any woman to consider marriage. Finally, in 2018, Dennis completed his residency. And still his training was not complete. He spent the next two years as a cardiothoracic fellow, joining the staff of a Long Island hospital. He could have gone almost anywhere, but chose to be near his mother. Rebecca, who would turn 60 in 2020 had her son as a doctor on call for the rest of her life. Dennis Thompson and Emily Perino both lived in Long Island all their lives, but had never met. Long Island is a very big place, and Dennis was quite a bit older than Emily, about nine years her senior. Dennis had gone into medicine, while Emily studied law. This was another factor working against the prospect of their meeting. And yet, fate sometimes sees to it that two strangers from different worlds collide headlong. Dennis was all about his work and having fun was a rare treat. Not Emily. She absolutely enjoyed the company of men. And the freedom of being on her own combined with access to lots of admiring young men, spurred her into a lively social life. But try as she might, she could never seem to find that intimate connection to impel her into a forever relationship. When she finally thought she had found the person who checked all the boxes on her soulmate list, that relationship died a miserable death. It had happened early in her last year at Cornell. He was a business major. Charming, good-looking, good in bed, and funny. She was in love. When Emily started becoming more demanding in an effort to move the romance along, she appallingly discovered how badly she had misread the situation. For the first time, Emily was on the receiving end of the rejection she so often foisted on the men she dated. She did not like the feeling. For the remainder of that semester into her last, Emily became both chaste and focused. It's not as if her grades were suffering before, but now with a new disposition, 
she was unchallenged as the top student in her class. In 2017, Emily spent the summer months at home in Plainage. This was the first free summer she had had since entering Cornell. At this same time, Dennis Thompson was about to enter his final year of residency. Both were spiraling upward toward their respective goals in their chosen professions. Emily decided to abandon her plans to attend Cornell Law School as her mother had. She applied to various prestigious law schools during her undergraduate year and decided upon New York University. New York University was close to her home in Long Island, but she had no intention of commuting. She would reap the benefits of being in the city she loved and could see her family when it suited her schedule. That summer she was able to spend valuable time with grandma. Alice had now been widowed for five and a half years. As is often the case, Emily appreciated the love and wisdom of her grandmother that eluded her younger self. One morning, after sleeping over, she noticed her grandmother staring impassively out her kitchen window watching birds flittering on branches of a tree. Grandmother, what are you staring at? Good morning, my beautiful child. Said Emily's grandmother leaving the past she had been reliving in her mind. Look at the tree outside the window. Did you know your grandfather dug the hole for that tree? Then he pounded the earth back in while I watered the entire area. And finally, your mother who was barely able to speak, said a prayer for the tree to grow strong and healthy. And now we all have a piece of grandpa to stare at, forever. Alice was thinking out loud, not necessarily directing herself to Emily. I look out and see my little piece of the world and can't grasp the fact that it is 2017. It's the same world I looked at half a century ago, yet it's not. Everything has changed. You weren't alive then. And lots of people who were are no longer around. Forget about the changes in technology. I don't have the time or even the understanding to convey that. But I really miss the easygoing feeling of the past. People seem to be much more involved with each other. They didn't have their heads buried in their phones or their playstations. We seem to enjoy life more. I don't know. I was young then and life just felt better. You probably feel the same way now. Maybe in 50 years, you'll be staring out the window saying the same thing to your grandchild. Emily walked over to her grandmother and gave her a bear hug. Grandma, I think I get it. She could see that her grandmother still missed grandfather and spent a good deal of time living in the past. Fortunately, she was blessed having family close to keep her grounded. Emily left for law school in the late summer of 2017. Her first two years were filled with demanding study, but she did well. Her photographic mind made it a fairly simple matter to elicit case law, recall it, and then analyze and synthesize that law into a winnable argument. Emily could do it all. In 2019, Emily's life and the life of Dr. Dennis Thompson collided. Linda Rose was visiting, having a weekend meal with her mother. Alice was 74 years old at the time, but no one suspected that her heart health was poor. She did sometimes feel fatigued and have occasional bouts of shortness of breath. She was lucky that day that her daughter was there, and acted quickly, and that the hospital was a short distance away. Dr. Thompson was on call that evening. Although a very skilled and competent young surgeon, he was still at the bottom rung of the seniority ladder at the hospital. As such, he tended to work more than his share of nights and weekends. This was fortunate for Alice Thompson. Dr. Thompson's recent training made him familiar with the latest breakthrough techniques using the most advanced technologies available. One such procedure could very well have saved his patient's life. Emily returned to Long Island upon hearing the news about her grandmother. Her heart attack coincided with Emily's recess, and she was able to spend several days with her parents. 
Emily would have missed her classes anyway if her grandmother's life was in danger. The day after Alice's operation, the whole family went to visit her at the hospital. While Linda Rose and Emily were sitting by her bed, the doctor entered. I am so glad to see you awake and smiling. I have every confidence that you will make a full recovery. I received the preliminary results of your tests and things are looking good. However, you have just gone through major surgery and you need rest. I want you to remain here for several days so we can monitor your progress. Maybe this weekend you'll feel strong enough to leave. Thank you. I feel tired but in some ways better than I have felt for several months. That's not surprising. You had extensive blockage in two of your arteries. I am only glad you got here in time. Then Alice introduced her family. This is my daughter, Linda Rose Perino, and my granddaughter Emily. Emily will graduate next year from NYU and follow in her mother's footsteps as an attorney. Dennis could not have missed Emily sitting there as radiant as sunshine. He excused himself, having other patients to see but saying he would soon talk more with them. Is he gone? Emily, did you see that gorgeous doctor? I happen to know that he's not married. I asked one of the nurses. Emily grabbed her grandmother's hand. Grandma, I came here to see you, not some strange doctor. I am so relieved that you are feeling better. In fact, it was more than a coincidence that during the next week Emily just happened to be visiting whenever the doctor made his rounds. At a set appointment time, Dr. Thompson led Linda Rose and Emily into his office. Mrs. Thompson is progressing well. We have been monitoring her this weekend and we are pleased with her numbers. I would like her to rest here until Friday so we can continue to monitor. If all goes well, and I am optimistic, I will discharge her on Friday. However, I prescribe 12 weeks of rest and light duty when she recuperates at home. We will do whatever it takes and I will be available for the first few weeks. My firm will just have to get along without me. I have time that I've saved, and this is the most important way to use it. The doctor provided a regimen of things to do. He covered exercise, diet, medication, and rest. Go see Mrs. Thompson now, but keep it short, and leave her here to rest. You come back again tomorrow. Emily kissed her mother and father goodbye. I saw Grandma before this meeting. I need to return to school this afternoon, but I am coming back on Friday, and I will see you then." Her father told Emily to remain for 15 minutes, and he would drive her back to the city. She was still standing outside the doctor's office when he beckoned her to return for a minute. Dennis Thompson fumbled awkwardly. She was still standing outside the doctor's office when he beckoned her in. May I call you Emily? After hinting around trying to discover whether Emily was married or otherwise engaged, he diffidently began. When your grandmother is discharged, and after an acceptable time, I would like to invite you out for dinner. Would that be alright with you? Emily thought her prayers had been answered. She was hoping for this very thing even to the point of considering asking the doctor out herself. Only her pride and expectation of rejection stopped her. The man must have all kinds of women throwing themselves at him. I would be delighted. Wonderful. What's your cell? Dennis typed her number into his phone and repeated it back to be certain he got it right. Emily walked into the hall to wait for her father. She had felt an immediate connection to Dennis, which she could not understand. 
Whether it was his mannerism, his speech or his appearance, she couldn't pinpoint. Whatever it was, it made her feel comfortable. The few days from Sunday till Friday, felt like eternity to Emily. Dr. Thompson had a few days off after his weekend on duty, but his sleep was constantly interrupted by thoughts of a beguiling face. Emily returned home the night before her grandmother's discharge on the rush hour run from Jamaica. Alice was ready to leave her hospital bed after a long week of recuperation. For her mother's trip home, Linda Rose rented a special van. They purchased a wheelchair so that Alice could have some sense of independence until she regained her strength. As discharge time neared, Emily scouted the halls and lobbies hoping for a glance of a certain fine-looking doctor. Linda Rose sensing her daughter's purpose told Emily that doctors didn't say bye-bye to the patients. Emily laughed in a dismissive way. I'm just anxious about grandma. That's all. As they left the hospital, Dr. Thompson peered out his window watching them leave. As the van turned onto Hempstead Turnpike, Emily's phone vibrated, showing a message from Dennis, see you in two weeks. I'll call with details, 